Hi, church family. I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. Well, over the last couple of months, we've been in the theme of rule and reign. This is last weekend, and we move into a new Father's Day next weekend, which will be uh, exciting. And uh, I want to share a message along the same vein of that. Is I love in John 6, 68, is that uh, John puts pen to paper and says these words about Jesus. He says, your words uh, bring eternal life. Uh, I love that John just didn't say that Jesus' words bring us life in this present age, but although they do that, but they also are words of eternal life, is that you and I are to, are to hang on to every word that Jesus speaks about because he speaks more about our future than our present. He speaks about how you and I can be at a place of being prepared and ready for what is going to take place in the future. And as I look at the world around about us, is our world is in chaos. It is our world is full of tragedy. We see the events that are taking place in Afghanistan at the moment. I, I know I encourage you, would you continue to pray uh, for that nation, the nations of the world. I, I pray that you just even pick a nation every day that you, you just know is persecuted and has persecuted Christians in there, it is that their faith would remain. You know, I, I'm amazed at Jesus as even this time in our lives where it's like so many are being sifted like wheat. And it's not about our lives not being sifted, it's about knowing that when our life is being sifted, is Jesus is praying that our faith would remain in all of that. I, I see the events that took place in Haiti just a couple of weekends ago and thousands perishing uh, due to an earthquake. We see divided opinions in our, in our church, in our city, our nation, across the world, uh, uh, arguments around pro-government, anti government, pro-vax, anti-vax, pro-mask, anti-mask, uh, is that we're in a place of division and now more than ever is a time to grab hold of Jesus Christ and say, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go on my behalf. I'm not letting go on my kids' behalf. I'm not letting go on my grandkids and for future generations to come. And so I, as I was preparing for this message, I, I started reading Matthew chapter 24, uh, which talks about end time events that are going to take place, the great tribulation, Jesus' second coming. And flicked over into chapter 25 of Matthew and it starts off with the parable of the ten uh, virgins or ten bridesmaids. It then goes into the parable of the talents and then the story of the separation between the sheep and the goats. And as I was reading these couple of chapters, which were literally Jesus speaking about tomorrow, uh, I was reminded whenever Jesus speaks about tomorrow, he's encouraging us how to live right today. And so whenever you see Jesus speaking of future, he's saying, would you prepare your hearts now for whatever future brings to you? Is if you don't prepare now for your future, when would you start preparing? And here is a Jesus now, we go into Matthew chapter 25, he starts speaking in a parable here. Jesus used lots of parables. I think it was like 31 unique parables uh, that he speaks throughout the, the Gospels. And parables were simply images, pictures, messages, visions of current day events and were used for one purpose only. It was used to describe what the kingdom of God looks like, the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus took visible things to describe an invisible kingdom. 
in the form of pictures and visions and images, illustrations that the, the hearers would immediately be able to now, oh, that's what the kingdom of heaven actually looks like, is that parables uh, don't just contain truth, but they lead you and I to a place of truth if we consider them deep enough. And so I want to read the parable of the ten bridesmaids, uh, which is found in Matthew 25, and we're going to read verses 1 through the 13. You ready? Don't go quiet on me this morning, hey. I know we've got masks on, but it's still just busted out through that mask there. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Now those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. There is a finality to every God opportunity. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. <laughs> Everyone's like, Mike, you are going heavy today. And, uh, but I, I pray that you hear Jesus' words of eternal life, not just my words today. As I read this, this parable, I thought back to a time when I first got my license 40 years ago and purchased my first car. I know you all think it right now, gosh, he doesn't look like he's 57. And, uh, but 40 years ago, I bought my first car, and it was like amongst my friends and my brothers, I had four brothers, is there was like this uh, unwritten competition as to who could purchase the cheapest car that would actually get you from point A to point B. It was like, that was the pride. It wasn't about having the, you know, the newest. It was about who could buy the cheapest that would actually get you from Brisbane to the Gold Coast on a regular basis. And uh, I remember a statement that was shouted across our front yard uh, more than any other statement. Whenever one of us went to jump in our car, it was this statement. It was like, have you checked your oil? I don't know if there's anyone else around my age that where your first car here with some here, where you had in the boot a bottle of oil, four liters of oil, and then multiple empty cordial containers full of water. Anyone else like that? This, this, this recent generation, I say to my kids, if you check your oil, they look back at me like, I check my what? I, I find you open up their bonnets of their cars today, it's color-coded as to, you can't touch those ones, but you can touch the yellow one. Like, you serious? You know, my kids have no idea what it means to check their oil, or check their oil there, but back in my day, that was what this conversation was, if you check your oil, because you knew if you ran out of oil, that $300 motor vehicle you just paid for would not run any distance. So the title of my message is for each and every one, would we check our oil? Would we just do an oil check today in light of this parable that has a sense of urgency around about it, even though it was spoken over 2,000 years ago, that this parable is applicable today as it was over every generation. I find that every parable has one main point, and the main point of this one is, is instructing the sons and daughters of God as to how to meet Jesus, is 
whether he comes back in our lifetime or whether we breathe our last breath, is that all of humanity will find themselves standing in the presence of God. And a decision is made at that point of eternal life or eternal damnation. Would you and I have the ability just to check our oil? Do we have supplies in reserve? How is my relationship with Jesus actually tracking and going? And so Jesus speaks a parable around a wedding. A wedding 2,000 years ago looked similar to a wedding today. Is that There was a time where the groom-to-be would go and ask uh, the bride-to-be's parents for her hand in marriage. And uh, or even back then, there may have been arranged marriages that took place there. And uh, so that time for engagement, the, the bride, to, the groom-to-be would go away and make preparations for their future. He would build house. He, he would get everything ready. And when the appointed time came is that he would go back to the, to the bride's parents and ask for her hand in marriage, saying that the wedding feast is prepared, the banquet is ready, is that tonight is the night where the celebration would take place. And uh, the custom was back in the day is that the parents of the bride-to-be would try to keep the groom waiting as long as possible before saying yes for her to attend the wedding feast because it was a sign of honor for their daughter. And this parable says is that the groom, he was delayed a long time. Is that there was this long conversation. Is Jesus says similar words, I go to prepare a place for you. And here... When the parents finally gave permission for the groom to take their daughter in marriage, is it was now a time where the, the bridesmaids would get ready during that time. The, the, the groomsmen were getting it ready. All the preparations were being made. The, the bridesmaids would trim their lamp because it was now in the in mid, mid, a midnight hour as they now danced and celebrated through the streets, is, uh, is that the, the lamps would guide them to the place of the wedding feast and this place of celebration. And Jesus is speaking now of his return, saying, would you and I be in a place of being prepared and being ready for his coming and for a time where we encounter him? And we see here is that there are five wise bridesmaids and there are five foolish bridesmaids. As we look through the first segment of this parable, verses 1 through to 7, is as you look at the 10 bridesmaids, is you cannot see the difference. You cannot see which ones are wise and which ones are foolish because there are so many similarities between. Let me go through some of the similarities of these 10 bridesmaids. Is that all 10 had the same opportunity. All 10 had been invited to be bridesmaids and all had responded positively. All 10 had been invited to the wedding banquet. All 10 were waiting for the bridegroom. All 10 were in the right place at the right time for the right reason. All 10 had lamps with them. All 10 had some oil in their lamps at the beginning. All 10 fell asleep while waiting for the bridegroom. All 10 were awakened by a midnight cry. All 10 got up to prepare, trim their lamps, and all 10 appeared equally prepared for the bridegroom's coming. And so there are so many similarities as I look over this auditorium today, there are so many similarities between each and every one of us. Is that If I went around today, I could not necessarily consider as to who was wise and who was foolish over, over, out of this auditorium. As you looked at my life, is you couldn't even determine whether I was wise or I was foolish. Is because so often we can look at the external things around about us and there are so many similarities. But we get to verse 8 of this parable... And it identifies the place 
of those which were wise and those were foolish. And the only difference between these ten was that five of them had oil in reserves. It was only came at an unexpected moment that determined who was wise and who was actually foolish. Is that verse 8 identifies the shortcomings. Is that verse 8 identifies the emptiness. Is that verse 8 identifies those ones which were unwilling to be prepared for a future event. Is that verse 8 comes and it identifies the ones that never seized the opportunity that God had given to them. Is that verse 8 arrives, would you give me some of your oil? And it identifies those ones that did not prepare in their now for future success. It was at a point in time where we now clearly see those who were wise and those who were foolish. And today, I'm not trying to scare you, I just think this is a message for today. Is that as individuals and as a church globally and corporately that we would put ourselves in always being prepared and always being ready. I don't think there is a a greater time in my life where I have to have check as to where my heart is positioned. Where, where, where are my loyalties? I, I cannot live with an undivided heart. I cannot have different allegiances. In my life. No, my only allegiance is to Jesus. And here, verse 8 identifies those that just did not have oil in reserves. I, I pray, would you and I check our oil today? Would we check the reserves that we would have inside of us? Is it Verse 8 identifies uh, the difference. Uh, we, we could call out, I could call out any bridesmaid number three and we could make a judgment about her. Was she wise? Was she foolish? She just seems to be yawning. She's a little bit disinterested in the events that are taking place. We could consider that she was wise or consider she was foolish even. Or maybe there's another with a little bit of sleep in her eyes and we say, well, she's got to be foolish because she's just not prepared. Uh, you know, we, we can look around about us today and we have so many similarities, but we know the difference. Only, only you and I can determine the difference that's inside of our lives. And so I've got a few thoughts for you today as we go through this, this parable. I, I have found for these ones that as soon as I identified the emptiness, their lives went into a state of panic. You and I cannot be in a state of panic concerning the future. Is that there is peace in the name of Jesus? is that right now is our world is a place of fear and a place of panic because there's also a realization they'd have nothing in reserve right now. Is I, I pray you'd never be in a place of panic concerning your future because I know the answers found in the name of Jesus. My first thought is this, is would you prepare for the unexpected? Is it here all 10 had the same opportunity? All 10 had oil in their lamps at the beginning. Five of them ran out of oil. They faced an unexpected moment. They, they did not know when the bridegroom was going to come out of that house. And I found that unexpected moments come all of our ways. Pastor Sam, Pastor Kay, is an unexpected moment earlier this year as a will, as an unexpected moment. And moments have come over your life. Is that, is that I, I pray and I thank that these ones have been prepared. You're never prepared necessarily for the emotional attachment to the unexpected, but you can be prepared inside of your heart where there's a resolve and a strength inside of you. And I know so many 
have faced unexpected moments in your own lives and I congratulate you because you're still standing. I, I pray would, would, when those unexpected moments come and unfortunately they will come, is that the, our life in Christ is not promised with smooth sailing but he does promise he's going to be with us in every one of our journeys of life there. And unexpected moments may come and you, are you and I in a place of being prepared for when it takes place, when it occurs in our lives? Is that I found that you and I have to have extra oils in our life because I refuse to underestimate my future. Don't underestimate the future that God has for you. For me, even on a positive side, Ephesians 3 and verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you and I can ask or think and imagine is, would you prepare your hearts for the great things that God has in front of you? Is that God can do anything to even exceed our prayer life and our requests there? But there's also negative unexpected moments that will come our way. And this parable is saying is, would you be ready? Would you be prepared for unexpected moments that have to come your way? I, I think we have to break this mindset of what is the least I have to do to get through, to get by, to get in. And we thought, well, what's the minimum requirement, Mike, for me to get through, for me to get by, to, for me to get in? No, 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 that, that, that's, that's faulty thinking is... Is if we should never be in that place of looking what is the minimum. Hey, God, what is my requirement as a son and daughter of God to maintain this vibrant relationship with you that we would outlive John 15, that we're attached to the vine, not that mindset of what is the minimum I have to do? What's, what's the minimum requirement to open this? What, what's the minimum requirement for my prayer? No, no, it's not about ever about minimum. It's about heart condition. We break the mindset of that. No, no, God, God you've got my mind. I, I'm not limiting that. I, I'm, I'm not limiting you just into a box. I know I want to bust it. I want to bust my mindset right now. They're going to do everything. I'm not going to look for the, the shortest way, the most just challenging route, if that's even a word. As I see all the way through the Word of God is that Great men and women of God have always built an advance. They've always built an advance for a future moment. I consider the story of Noah is that Noah had to build the ark before the rain came. Is all the way through the, the prophets of old, they built, they had to build altars before they could present a sacrifice to God. Is that when you and I face giants and mountains, is that we must already have established faith inside of our hearts is that we must have built a resolve inside of us that when times come or we may fall, that we get right back up again. As the righteous may fall seven times. It's not a problem to fall, you just got to get straight back up. Would you and I build something in advance? I wonder what it is you and I are actually building for tomorrow. I love the Word of God also says that we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. But why is that God just doesn't want you and I to be prepared for now. He wants us to be prepared for next. And when we walk by sight, it prepares us for that next step. No, when we walk by faith, it's preparing us for future days, for the next and for the next and for the next. Don't just walk by sight, walk by a position 
of faith. And here Jesus is saying a parable where he is a long time in coming. There's a delay in his coming. Would you and I be prepared for that unexpected moment? I found that procrastination is one of our greatest enemies today. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. No, no, no. We do it now. We do it now. We do it now. God, would you prepare my heart? Would you check your oil right now? See if there's any deficiency. My next thought is this. As I look at these story of these 10 bridesmaids, is I found the kingdom of God is, is not about being good or bad. It's about life and death. It's about wise and foolish. It's not about being good or bad. As you look at these 10 bridesmaids, none of them were bad. Just five were unprepared. Five put themselves in the place of life. Five put themselves in the place of death. Five chose wisdom over foolishness. Proverbs 1, verse 20 and 21, this, this great description about wisdom. It says, that Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On the top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. It's saying it, wisdom is available at every corner of our life. Is that wisdom is available at every intersection we face. Is that wisdom is available at every wall that we confront in life. And wisdom is always screaming out, would you listen to me? Is that wisdom is available, James says. We, if we lack it, we just have to ask our Heavenly Father who will give us to us generously and liberally. I found that wisdom is just simple, is sanctified common sense. It's holy common sense. And I think in today's, we need wisdom, hey. We need bucket loads of wisdom. And it's available. You just have to, Father, give me wisdom. I know every time I'm driving to work every morning, I'm like, Father, would you give me wisdom today? I, I need wisdom. I remember talking to someone yesterday on the phone as a, considering buying property it's just like at the end of it I said you know what it's just about wisdom right now let's pray for wisdom I, I think it's one of those things we just need so so much would you would you seek wisdom it's, a, it's available to us I, I want to be wise rather than in a place of foolishness is so what sets the wise from the foolish let me give you a few thoughts of how we can be wise number one I found the wise they seize the opportunity Ephesians 5 verse 15 says this be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Would you and I seize the opportunity that God gives us? And I have found that God will always give you and I opportunity. I've found that great success in God's favor comes when opportunity meets preparation. When they collide, that's where favor and success take place. And God will always give you an eye opportunity. And he says, would you always be in a place of preparation for whatever opportunity comes your way? The opportunity is going to come tomorrow in your workplace. Would you be prepared for the opportunity? Because that's where grace and favor and success always flow. I found that God will always present opportunity. It's up to you and I to grab a hold of the opportunity that comes our way. I know this is a solemn passage, eh? but let's remember 
that Jesus' words are eternal life. They're eternal life. Would you and I check our oil? Would we seize the opportunity? I'm amazed even this passage, I don't want to focus on it, is that all ten fell asleep. I want to show it's not a problem to fall asleep. As we're waiting for unexpected moments, we've still got to live our lives. And so falling asleep was not a problem. You just can't fall asleep unprepared. And that's what this parable's saying. It's okay to go about your normal daily activities and sleep is necessary, but when you go to sleep, don't go to sleep unprepared. Be prepared. I'm not saying also just to do that quick nightly prayer. Father, just forgive me of everything. Make sure I'm right. And if I don't wake up in the morning, I'm going to be like, I'm not, I'm not. Who's prayed that? Anyone pray that last night? I'm, it's not about that. That's not, that's not the secret formula of that. No, no, be prepared in every season of your life. That's what I'm saying in that. But don't fall asleep unprepared. Is I found in the, in the kingdom of God is that there's no middle road. Hey, like, oh, It's life or death. We're either for him or against him. It's either light or darkness. It's either hot or cold. And so often we can position ourselves in the middle road. And I've done it so many times. But you know what I've come to get? There's no middle road. It's not there. It doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. Would you grab a hold of the God opportunity? Please hear my heart. I feel some hearts like just hard. Hear my heart on this, hey. Is that his words are eternal life. I can't live in the middle of the road. I can't. I can't straddle life and death and think everything's going to be it. No, no, no. We make a decision. Would you and I check our oil? Would you seize the opportunity that God has? The second thing that separates the wise from the foolish is the wise. They are doers of the word of God. Let me share another parable in Luke chapter 6. So what separates the wise from the foolish? They are doers of God's word. Luke 6, 46. It says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I'll show you whom he is like. There, there is a great Christian progression here that takes place. Is here it says, whoever comes to me, whoever comes to Jesus, and hears my word and does those words, I'll show you whom he is like. Is that there's this great progression. Is we come to Jesus. We hear the truth of the word of God. We allow it to be implanted in our hearts. And then we execute the word of God that he has spoken to us. This is like, there's not a multiple choice. Just choose two of the three options. No, no, no. It, it's the great progression. Excuse me. Sorry, water. Um, that we come to him. We hear his words. And then we actually execute what he says us to do. We pick this up in verse 48. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. This is a parable about humanity building their lives. And so we get the picture of one that did the progression. They came to Jesus, they heard the word, they executed. And then there was another one that just came to Jesus and heard his words, but did not fulfill the word of God. Is uh, I look at this parable, and again, I see so many similarities between the two builders, these two lives being built. Can we have a look at those similarities? Is they both heard God's word. 
is they both build houses, they both use similar materials, they both build in the same location, and they both face an unexpected moment. And when they face the unexpected moment, we see who was wise and who was foolish. Again, there were so many similarities between these builders and the construction of the house, but there is one difference, is that one of these builders chose to build upon a foundation, and that foundation was then laid upon Jesus. Is amongst all the similarities of you and I building our houses, there is a great difference, and the difference is who would dig deep enough to build a foundation on the great rock of Jesus Christ. It is that this parable speaks so much to me. It says that we cannot build our lives on the shifting sands of life. And I look at today, is that our world is just full of shifting sands. We, we don't know one day after another of what there is an opinion, there's another government report, there's another health official saying things, is that everything seems to be shifting. I cannot build my life on media reports today. This parable says to me is that our lives in Jesus cannot be built in the shallows, they must be built in the depth. Would you and I actually get our spiritual shovels out again and would we start digging the disciplines of the Word of God and of praying and of fasting and of warring for our family? Would we start to dig again? I wonder what's taking place in the invisible realm of our life, that realm that no one else sees. Because one builder decided, you know what, I'm going to build deep where no one even knows. It wasn't a competition with his neighbor building a house. No, no, he just said, you know what, I'm just going deep. I'm going deep. And as I look at these parables, I love that Jesus, Jesus gives no attention to the quality of the house. But all his attention goes to the quality of the foundation. In the parable of the ten bridesmaids, he gives no attention to the quality of the lamps. But he gives all his attention to the, quality, to the quantity of the oil. Is that Jesus never ever looked at the external, he always looked at the internal. And this morning, I'm challenging even my own life at this time, Mike, would you check your oil? Would you check what you are actually full of right now? What do you have? reserves in place. And the third thing I find that distinguishes the wise from the foolish is the wise will always position themselves to build a spiritual reserve. This, this past 18 months for me personally has been my most challenging season in my 42 years of being in relationship with Jesus. It's been a time where I have had to intentionally dig new wells again and dig old wells again. It's, it's been difficult at times to open up the Word of God in the midst of, at times, frustration and disappointment and anger of things that are taking place in the world around about us. It's been a time where I've had to get, just keep going back into that secret place and just praying and bombarding heaven again of, I don't know if that's your life. If I'm in that place and I've talked to people, maybe you've been in that place as well. And there's times where I've had to dig upon reserves. And I think in the day in which we live, we must have reserves in place. 
We must have physical reserves in place. We must have emotional reserves and spiritual reserves. We must have financial reserves in place. It's, it's a time where we must get our reserves right. Not that we can live on our reserves forever, but reserves are there for when those tough times come that we can draw upon them. Do not ever let your reserves be depleted. Would you keep coming back to Jesus and enable him to fill you to a place of overflow? I find that back in the day is that oil was always available. There was an infinite supply. It was available to every corner. Oil, but here is that five neglected to have oil reserves with them. They had oil at the beginning, but their oil supplies ran out. In this challenging season, would you have a look and check your reserves? I think one of the sad passages here in this parable was when the foolish came and said to the wise, would you give me some of your oil? And the wise, it may seem selfish, but it's not selfish at all. They say, I'm sorry, we cannot share that resource with you. Is I found there's some things in the kingdom of God which are transferable and other things which are not transferable. Is that God's saving grace over an individual life, it is not transferable. Is just because of my relationship with God, it, it does not transfer to my kids and to my wife, Nadine, or to my grandkids. It's not transferable. But so many other things that God has deposited us is transferable. His love, his peace, his joy is transferable. His mission, his purpose, uh, the gospel is transferable. And I, I need to be in a place where I'm transferring the right things, but also being aware of the things I cannot transfer. I cannot transfer his saving grace. God's saving grace can only be dispensed from the throne room yeah. of grace. Yeah. I've also found that preparation cannot be transferred. Is that my preparation cannot help Cameron at all. I can invest in Cameron out of my preparation, but my preparation doesn't help him in other ways. And here this passage is saying to us, would you and I be in a place of being prepared? For whatever future unexpected moments come our way, would you and I have reserves? And my final thought today is, as you check your oil, would you allow Jesus to come and fill the empty? Because this parable goes on and says that there comes a time when the door's shut. There's a finality to the opportunity. They've gone away to buy more oil, to get more oil. They come back, they have reserves. And Jesus says sad words, the saddest words. I never knew you. <laughs> 